Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer. Look at how that rolled off of my tongue. I love the fact that I can say senior pastor because that means that we're going to have some other pastors. Amen. Up under me. I see the vision and I thank God for it. I do not forsake humble beginnings. Amen. All right. So we're going to get started tonight. I bring you greetings from on high as we get into another week's Bible study. We have been in the book of Genesis, and now we are studying uh, Genesis 21, um, chapter 21 through 30. And so we're going to talk about Isaac, and we're going to talk about uh, Rebecca and Laban and uh, Esau and Jacob and uh, who else? Esau and Jacob, oh, Rachel and Leah. All right, so so we about to get started. Somebody remember what they read? All right, it in. All right, so let's get started. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't have had these contacts on. I can I can barely read. All right, so let let me start us out with some of the core truths. Uh, we are in week ten. Isaac learns to walk by faith, and so God puts Abraham to the test because he wants to make a picture of redemption for the future. Amen. So we know that there was a correlation between the sacrifice that Abraham made to give his only begotten son as a test to God. And God did what? He gave his only begotten son that we may have uh, life and salvation. All right. So God provides uh, for himself a lamb and a similar parallel. He provided Abraham with the ram in a bush, and uh, he gave us a lamb, and, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, you know what a ram is. What is a ram? Yeah, but that's a that's a male sheep. So, so a ram is a male sheep, and then a, a how you say it, Derek? A U E W E is a female sheep, and then a lamb is the child so when we when we hear about jesus being the lamb of god amen he's the sacrifice but it is is symbolizing uh the sheep all right so isaac uh can't ride abraham's coattails he has to develop faith in god on his own so if you notice god had built his own relationship with Isaac and he developed his own faith. God defends his people uh, when they trust him. People are not our problem. People are God's problem. Now that's key there. <laughs> I like how they say that. People are not our problem. People are God's problem. So we give them back to God. God communicates his promises from generation to generation. God makes his work in his people's lives evident to those around them. We just talked about that earlier, didn't we? How God will put us on a pedestal and a platform so that others can see, so that they can be drawn to him through us. And it's not for our glory, but it is for his glory. So don't be surprised if God starts moving things and elevating and escalating in your life. All right, so God provides... Uh, what he has called 
God provides for what he has called his people to do, even in the land of famine, right? So we, we learned that. And every generation struggles with faith. Every generation. People do tend to repeat the same sins of their fathers. And we learned that, fathers and mothers. God is faithful uh, from generation to generation toward imperfect people. And remember, we were talking about that. (laughs) I realized they were going to say that, but I'm like, dang, these are the most jacked up people in the Bible. I mean, they they are very dysfunctional, extremely toxic families. But anyway, I ain't judging nobody. I'm I'm just observing. All right, so Genesis 21 chapters, uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. And so this is where I'm going to let you guys talk, and I'm going to listen. We're going to figure out what all we learned. All right, so here's the first question. How has God kept his promise to Abraham, and what do we learn about God's timing? So you said chapter 21, verse 1 through 8? Mm-hmm. Do you want me to read it real quick? If you want, yes. Okay. God visited, oh, sorry. So chapter 21, verse 1 through 8. God visited Sarah exactly as he said he would. God did to Sarah what he promised. Sarah became pregnant and gave Abraham a son in his old age. At the, at the very time God has said, Abraham named him Isaac. When his son was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him just as God had commanded. Abraham was hundreds Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has blessed me with laughter and all who gets the news will laugh with me. She also said, whoever would have suggested to Abraham that Sarah would one day nurse a baby, yet here I am, I've I've given the old man a son. The baby grew and was weaned. Abraham threw a big party on the day Isaac was weaned. Amen. All right. So, so how has God kept his promise to Abraham? And what does that tell us about God's timing? Uh, he had already told them that they would have a son. And he told them when they would have a son. And he kept that promise exactly how he said it would happen. And any anything else? Anybody else want to add to that? <coughs> so, so, yes, God kept it. Go ahead, D. Amen. Amen. And and so what it shows us is that there is nothing impossible for God. And like you said, D, because of their old age, they felt the time had run out. But God does what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants. And like you said, Mary, he kept his promise. He told him already, I'm going to give you a son. And he did what he said he was going to do, even though they tried to do it themselves. But he did what he, what he said he was going to do. All right, um, 
Okay, right. So, so God's timing is not our timing. And he does what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants to do it. Amen. All right, so the next question is, how does, how does Abraham obey God when Isaac is eight days old? And what does that tell you about Isaac's identity? Oh, we said the Right. And and the circumcision circumcision was a mark of the covenant. Because if you remember, when God came into covenant with Abraham, he commanded him to circumcise all of his men. Remember when they did that? So it was a sign of the covenant. So when he had his son after he was eight days old, he circumcised them. And so the next question is, why does Abraham call his son Isaac? Laughter. Yep, because it means laughter. Uh, And what does Isaac mean to Abraham and Sarah? Is their blessing and promise from God? Yep, and their joy, as with most, if not all, parents when it comes to their kids. It's, It's a joy. All right, so Genesis 22 uh, chapter 22, and, and we're not going to read the whole chapter, but I want y'all to go to it because we're going to have a few questions from there. All right, the first question is, why does God test Abraham? And the second part of that question is, is it because God doesn't know what what's in Abraham's heart? Um, I would say that God tests him so that he could have faith in God. I think God knew what was in Abraham's heart and knew what he would do, but he wanted to show Abraham how faithful he was. Mm-hmm. Any other comments on that? We losing you, son. Another part of that as well is that God wanted to give us an example because, I mean, imagine how many years ago that happened. And now we have an example, a a true picture of what faith is. All right. So the next question is multiple uh, uh, points. So the first, excuse me, the first part is what does God say uh, about Isaac? And what does God know about Abraham's feelings towards Isaac? 
And what will obedience cost Abraham? So the first part is, what does God say about Isaac? In, in Genesis 22. That he would he would make him what? Oh, the father of many nations. Right. And then what what does God what does God know about Abraham's feelings towards Isaac? Just like most fathers. That he's like proud and honored to have And he loved him. Yeah. And he loved his son. And he really cherished his son, right? Because remember, he sent Ishmael away so that he wouldn't have the inheritance. He loved his son so much. And so what will obedience cost Abraham? I feel like that's a trick question. And that's exactly what what was in my mind. It's not going to cost him anything. He's going to gain. He's going to gain. And he gained everything for his obedience. Uh, All right. So the next question. Uh, All right. So what is the true test here? And there's another part to that question. Okay, this is the next one. It says, what is the true test here and where have we seen this struggle before? The true test is if he was going to follow through and make the sacrifice for God. And then as far as where we've seen it before, I want to say with Adam and Eve and them making the sacrifice, but I don't know if that's the right. So the true test, the true test was testing Abraham. Do you really believe God? Do you really believe that his word is true? And uh, that he's promised him the descendants uh, and that he will keep his promise. That was the real test. And we go through that too. God will tell us stuff and we know that we know that God told us. And the first challenge to that that come up what do we do a lot of times we'd be like oh maybe that wasn't god but abraham said yep i hear you i believe you and i believe you enough because look i know that your character is good enough to hold what you said so i'm gonna believe what you say uh and so where we've seen this struggle before all throughout i mean adam and eve had the challenge Every generation had their own challenge with faith when it came to trusting and believing God and having their faith tested. So from Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel to Noah and his family to Job to um, Abraham and Sarah, you know, so everybody, everybody had that challenge. All right. So how quickly does Abraham obey? This is the next question. It's multiple. And what does this tell us about his faith? And what does this tell us about the relationship between faith and obedience? Oh, that's good. Let me pause right here for a minute because I think we started without starting out in prayer. Father God, we just thank and praise you tonight. 
and we honor you for uh, just just giving us an excitement and a love for your word that we just jumped in and didn't even come before you and thank you. Father God, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you will have your way as we continue with this Bible study, Lord God. Let us get what you desire for us to get. Father God, help your word to come alive in our lives, Lord Jesus. And Father God, we just thank you for the path that you are taking us on, for how you are imparting in us. And Father God, we thank you for the knowledge that you're giving us and the wisdom, Lord God, all of the information that you are providing through this Bible study. Father God, we just ask that you have your way. Father, bless my children tonight, Lord God, for their obedience and coming by faith, Lord Jesus, to come together as a family, Father God, to really just study your word and to dig into your word, Lord God. Father God, we pray that you will bless Derek and bless Mary and bless India, Lord God. And if they stand in need of anything, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you will have your way and let your will be done in their lives and meet every need, make provision for everything that they stand in need of. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. All right, all right, so so where was I? Where was I? Okay, how, how quickly does, so when the test came, when God gave, uh, admonished Abraham to do what he told him to do, how quickly does he obey? And what does this tell us about his faith? And what does this tell us about the relationship between faith and obedience? How quickly did he obey? immediately he didn't even question it <laughs> and what does that tell us about his faith yeah yeah his faith is strong because he don't question god and 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 like you said he he have faith you know uh what does that tell us about the relationship between faith and obedience Sometimes I may have more faith and I may be less obedient at the time or I may be having showing more obedience but my faith may not be as strong at the time so with Abraham in this example they go hand in hand but in like my life and situations I've been through they're not always at the same level but now like with this story I see how powerful it is to have them at the same level hand in hand mm-hmm and in my mind, I was thinking that faith is a prerequisite for obedience. Right. Because faith says that I trust you even when I can't trace you. Right. I trust you even though I don't know the outcome. So I'm going to walk in obedience to your will because at the end of the day, I have faith. God puts so much emphasis throughout the Bible on faith to the point that he said it is impossible to please him without it. And the Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So we know that it's an intangible thing. And God is saying that's important to me that you get it, right? So faith is a prerequisite for uh, obedience. And like you said, in this instance, they they were operating hand in hand 
one with the other. All right. Uh, uh, where did Abraham get this kind of faith? <laughs> where did he get this kind of faith? Yeah, about living and walking with God and experiencing God. Um, look at uh, Genesis 22, verse 5. Read that one for me. Uh-oh, wow. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh no, you, you just got a phone that, that got a lot of noise. That's, that's nice. That's nice. Okay, Genesis 22, you said chapter, verses 3 through 5? Uh-uh, verse 5, just verse 5. Okay, so verse 5. Oh, it did 3 through 5. Anytime it do that, you can always read it, have it, it go. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back. So what does Abraham believe is going to happen? And what does this tell us about his view of God? Um... So did he not believe that he was gonna have to sacrifice his son? Hey. <laughs> hey. Cause he believed that Yeah. Yep. He actually had to He told he told him, he said, he said, we'll be back. And so in my mind, and this this just made me, ooh, I'm telling you, I just get excited when I think about it. Because he thought the best of God. He said, wait a minute. <laughs> you said I got to sacrifice my son? I'm going to sacrifice my son. But we about to see the first miracle ever happen. Because I know you ain't about to let my son die. He said we will be back. When eight, when uh, Isaac asked him, he said, where are we going? He said, we're going to go sacrifice and we'll return. So, the, so to me, yes, like you said, he believed that was what God wanted him to do, to sacrifice his son. But boy, he 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 was thinking, oh, God going to do something. He ain't know about the ram. He ain't know how. But he was just like, okay, you going to do something now. All right, so. Yep. Mm. Yep. He said, God will provide. God will provide. Uh, and this just, I, I like the way the study go, but a lot of times they just be asking redundant questions. So I'm going to skip some of them. Okay. All right. So this is the next good one. It says, what is the difficult situation revealed about Abraham? And when Abraham was squeezed under uh, pressure, what came out of him? And what does this tell us about our response to difficulty uh, or to God's call to obey? Oh, that's good. It revealed that he... Oh, uh, can you repeat it? It's a... Can you hear us? Okay, can you repeat the last one? Okay, so, so it says, what is... What has this difficult situation revealed about Abraham? And 
the second part of that is when Abraham was squeezed under pressure, what came out of him? And then the third part of it is what does that tell us about our responses to difficulty or to God's call to obedience? So the first one, first part is what is the difficult situation revealed about Abraham? That he that he walked what he talked. <laughs> he <laughs> believed what he said. Alright, so when Abraham was squeezed under pressure, what came out? A manifestation of his faith, which is obedience. Obedience, you um what was that scripture we were talking the other day? Faith without works is dead. And so when when they say faith without works is dead throughout my Christian walk I saw it different until recently because what it's saying is is if you don't have I mean if you have faith you're going to have works but if you don't have no works with your faith then that's just it's just dead it's dead so he had faith and the work part of it was his obedience and that's what brought to life or allow his faith to be manifested in the natural because, you know, he, he, he put it to work for him. All right. So what does this tell us about our responses to difficulty or to God, God's call to obey? And one of the things that I learned about Abraham's walk with God is that he walked with God, that he was in God's presence, that they communicated, that they they talked, and that's what increased his faith. You have to be in relationship with somebody in order for you to have faith in them. If I don't know God, I'm not going to trust God. But because I know him, because I talk to him, because the it's, it's another scripture to say, try the spirit by the spirits to, to know if it's of God. And the thing about it is we have to try God in order to continue to build the relationship that we have with him. Sometimes we might feel like God don't hear us and we just say, God, show me that you hear me. Show me that, that, that this is you and not just me. And he will make it plain for you. And that's how you build your relationship with him. And that's how you uh, develop faith. All right. Amen. Amen. And to whom much is given, much is required. And to have that example and to have him to have done and made that sacrifice so that we can be the benefactors of what he did in obedience after all the many, many years is a blessing. All right. So chapter 24, it looks like they're just giving you a a summary. So I'm going to read this out loud. It says in this chapter, Abraham sends his servant back to his family in the northwest 
Mesopotamia to find a wife for Isaac. Abraham's servant beautifully illustrates what it means to learn to walk by faith from watching someone else's example. We also see God calling Rebecca away from her family and into a new identity, which she must walk out by faith. Now that's interesting too. Like I never looked at it like that because God called Abraham out of his family. He told him, come out. And the same thing happened with Rebecca. So that, that was good. All right. So jump into chapter 26. Um, ah, uh, why does Isaac go to live with the Philistines? Chapter 26. Go back, go back. Um, you read, no, you read, read, I'm gonna give y'all a few minutes just to read a little bit into it. Abimelech. Abimelech, king of Philistines in Gerar. God appeared to him and said, Don't go down to Egypt. Stay where I tell you. Stay in this land and I'll be with you and bless you. I'm giving you and your children all of these lands, fulfilling the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I'll make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky and give them all of these lands. All of the nations of earth will get a blessing for themselves through your descendants. And why? Because Abraham obeyed my summons and kept my charge, my commands and guidelines, my teachings. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. The men of the place questioned him about his wife. He said, she's my sister. He was afraid to say she's my wife. He was thinking these men might kill me to get Rebecca. She's so beautiful. One day after they have been there for quite some time, Abimelech, king of Philistine, looked out his window and saw Isaac fondling his wife, Rebecca. Abimelech sent for Isaac and said, so she's your wife? Why did you tell us she's my sister? Isaac said, because I thought, you might, I, thought I might get killed someone who wanted her. Killed by someone who wanted her. Abimelech said, but think of what you might have done to us. Given a little more time, one of the men might have slept with your wife. You would have been responsible for bringing guilt down on us. Then Abimelech gave orders to his people. Anyone who so much as lays a hand on this man's wife dies. 
Isaac planted crops on, in that land and took a huge harvest. God blessed him. The man got richer and richer by the day until he was very wealthy. He accumulated flocks and herds and many, many servants, so much that the Philistines began to envy him. They got back at him by throwing dirt and debris into the wells that his father's servants had dug back in the days of his father Abraham, clogging up the wells. Finally, Abimelech told Isaac, leave, you become far too big for us. So Isaac left. He camped in the valley of Gerar and settled down there. Isaac dug again the wells which were dug in days of his father Abraham, but had been clogged up by the Philistines after Abraham's death. And he renamed them, using the original names his father had gave them. One day Isaac's servants were digging in the valley. They came on a well of spring water. The shepherds of Greer quilled with Isaac's shepherds, claiming this water is ours. So Isaac named the well Isaac Quirrell because they quarreled over it, over it. They dug another well and there was a difference over that one also. So he named it Stenai Accusation. He went on from there and dug yet another well, but there was no fighting over this one, so he named it Rehoboth, Wide Open Spaces, saying, Now God has given us plenty of space to spread the land. From there he went to Beersheba the night God appeared to him and said, I am God of Abraham your father. Don't fear a thing because I'm with you. I'll bless you and make your children flourish because of Abraham, my servant. Isaac built an altar there and prayed, calling on God by name. He pitched his tent, he pitched his tent and his servants started digging another well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahazeth, his advisor, and Philicol, the head of his troops. Isaac asked them, why did you come for me? You hate me. You threw me out of your country. They said, We've realized that God is on your side. We'd like to make a deal between us, a covenant that we maintain friendly relations. We haven't bothered you in the past. We treated you kindly and let you leave in peace. So God blessing be with you. Isaac laid out a feast and they ate and drank together. Early in the morning, they exchanged oaths. Then Isaac said goodbye and they parted as friends. Later the same day, Isaac's servants came to him with news about the well had been they'd been digging. We struck water. Isaac named the well Sheba Oath. In the name of the city Beersheba Oath Well to this day. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Berai, the Hittite in Basin daughter of Elon the Hittite. They turned out to be thorns inside of, in the sides of Isaac and Rebecca. Okay, so back to, back to the first question. Why does Isaac go live with the Philistines? For God to fulfill the promise of um, the land that he's supposed to get. Or the, but, but you were right because of the famine. Yeah. Right? And then, and then, what did God what did God tell Isaac? So what did he tell him? And what did he, what did he tell him? What promise did he make? 
Uh, he told him don't go to Egypt and to stay where God is telling him to go. Um, and that he would be giving the land to him and his children to fulfill the oath that he swore to Abraham. And what else do we know about the Philistines? You ever heard about them? I feel like I did, but... Who, who, was, who was one of them, Derek? Who was one big one? The, or, or the, remember the giant. Remember you, remember that filthy Philistine when David said, you filthy, uncircumcised Philistine. That's what he told Goliath when he killed him. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was saying Goliath. <laughs> oh, Derek said yeah, Goliath. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can barely hear you, son. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. All right. All right, so does God act the same way with Isaac that he had with Abraham? And how do we know and what does God tell? I mean, what does that tell us about God? I would say yes, he acted the same way and he gave him the same exact promise and that just shows that he's consistent and faithful. Yep, yep. All right, given that God promised to protect Isaac and perform the oath, he had made to Abraham, was Isaac actually in any danger from Abimelech? No, I don't think so. And and why? Because God had already promised him the land that he was supposed to have and was leading him to that. That part, but also, he did the same thing as his daddy, but Abimelech apparently knew what God he served. He was like, oh, we ain't about to mess with you. <laughs> you you, you belong to that God. Okay, yeah. He said, let's be friends. We, right, we're going to leave you alone. All right, so how does God demonstrate his protection over Isaac and Rebecca? I would say one example is the fact that another thing with Derek saying he did the same thing as his father, he said that it was his sister the same way his father did. But even with him saying that, the king still said, if anybody touches this woman, they must die. So that's just one example of how he still protected them. Mm-hmm. And then did did Isaac fight? And, and, uh, oh, yeah, the whales. The whales. Did, did he fight, though? Did Isaac fight them? Did he fight, right. No. No. Well... So, so that's another one that I'm wondering, is that a, is that a trick question? Because if you think about it in our mindset, it's like, oh, you want to quarrel and you want to fight with me about this. And his thing was, okay, well, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go somewhere else. But was he, was he really, you know, preserving and fighting in his own way? Because he was going and he was, he was, you know, establishing those territories that his father had once had and that was filled, you know, by them. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just thinking about it different. But I would say on, in the naked eye, no, he didn't fight. Because I was saying that yesterday, like, or whenever we listen to the scriptures, like, oh, he just going to bust up. All right, so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. 
And so I think that what it tells us about the identity of God is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that he keeps his promises from generation to generation. And because Abraham's bloodline was that chosen family that he set aside for himself, he was making provision for them and he was keeping his promises. Um, All right, let me read a few of these truths and then we can go to the next one. Uh, And we can go as long as y'all want to go or or we can stop when y'all ready to stop. But we got uh, just one more because we we went all the way to chapter 30. And I think that takes us to... Yep, to Leah. So so that's that's just too much. All right, so it says God God promises are bankable. He can be relied upon to fulfill his promises regardless of the circumstances. God sometimes calls pe- call people to things they cannot understand with their eyes of faith. God's strange instructions often indicate that he is setting up a picture for the future. Oh, that's good. That's real good. When God be telling us to do these strange things, it ain't necessarily for us, but it's so that we can do it so other people can look back and know that they know it wasn't us. It was only God. All right, when Abraham radically obeyed God, his obedience produced a beautiful picture for future generations, the picture of a father giving up his beloved and only son, which was Jesus Christ. And remember, this is a parallel story what Abram, Abram, Abraham sacrificed uh, or potentially was going to sacrifice, which was his son, Isaac, God actually sacrificed Jesus, his only begotten son for us. All right. So God works in people over a great deal of time to shape their faith. God is patient to work in and reaffirm his promises from generation to generation. God's character doesn't change from generation to generation. People die, but he is still faithful to keep the promises he had made to them. And remember, my takeaway from Abraham's life is that God made him the promise. But it was not fully manifest. I'm talking about it still hasn't fully manifested because we live in it today. Like we are living a, a byproduct of the promise that God made to Abraham that he is not living. So that tells me something about my faith walk. Some of the things that God has promised me, I'm not going to see it in my lifetime. But my children's children, 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 they're going to see it. All right. So. Uh, scheming always reveals a heart of unbelief, which is true. God always gives enough information in advance for his people to live without scheming. If they will genuinely appro- uh, uh, appropriate, his promises are true. If they will genuinely appropriate, his promises are true. Okay. Oh, as true. I'm like, that don't make sense. Um, if they genuinely appropriate his promises as true. All right, so God provided for Isaac a hundredfold in the year of a famine. Amen. God sent fear into the hearts of Isaac's enemies when Isaac refused to scheme and fight them for the land. 
God can be trusted to defend his people. All right. So now this takes us into uh, the story of Jacob. And so starting in uh, chapter 25, and so I'm going to just read the beginning part, the core truths that we should be getting out of this. And I'm going to... All right, so Jacob, defend by relationships or relationship. All right, some of the core truths. Our sin nature always results in broken, competitive relationships. Human, uh, humans judge based on outside characteristics such as looks or birth order. Uh, our relationship struggles impact those around us. Favoritism always causes trouble. Giving into the desire of the flesh will result in temporary happiness, but it will always cause lasting pain. People always sell themselves cheaply when they make decisions based on sight. Family relationships are not immune to sinful actions. In fact, people living close to, together tend to hurt each other more often. This is the nature of sin. Scheming may lead us to getting what we want, but it also gets many things we don't want. Answering one uh, person's sin with another sin is always a foolish mistake. God's main desire for us is to I identify ourselves according to what he says, not according to what the world around us says. All right, so review. Ooh, my eyes starting to burn. All right. In the last few weeks, we have looked at Abraham. God chose to call him out of his family and to redefine him, change his identity according to God's plan for the nations. God swore to carry out, carry on his earlier promises through all of Abraham's children. The only problem was that he was, that he didn't have any, uh, that was no problem for God, and it proved to be no problem for Abraham because he trusted that God was who he said he was and can do what he said he would do. God called Abraham righteous because of his great faith, and God rewarded him with a new name as an outward sign of his identity, identity of Abraham, the father of many nations was the beginning of God's movement to create a nation for himself in order to bless them and in turn use them to bless and redeem the nations. We see a we see God continuing to move toward creating Abraham's nation through Isaac and Jacob. All right, so starting in chapter 25 verses 19 through 28 uh and let me see I will, I will read that 25 verses 19 through 28. Uh, all right. So it says, this is the family tree of Isaac, son of Abraham. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebecca, daughter of Bethuel, the uh, Aram Aramian, 
and uh, Paddan Aram. She was the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Uh, and y'all know I be jacking up these names. Isaac prayed hard to God for his wife because she was barren. God answered his prayer and Rebekah became pregnant. But the children tumbled and kicked inside of her uh, much that she said, if this is the way it's going to be, why go on living? She went to God to find out what was going on. God told her, two nations are in your womb. Oh my goodness. Uh, two people's budding heads while still in your body. One people will overpower the other and the older will serve the younger. When her time to give birth came, sure enough, there were twins in her womb. The first came out reddish as if snugly wrapped in a hairy blanket. They named him Esau, meaning hairy. His brother followed his fist clutched tight to Esau's heel. They named him Jacob, heel. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. The boys grew up. Esau became an expert hunter and outdoorsman. Jacob was a quiet man preferring life indoors among the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he loved his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. All right, so how old is Isaac when he marries Rebekah? He was 40. He was 40. He was 40, but but he was 60 when he when they had the had the kids. Alright, so how does Rebecca's uh how does he respond to Rebecca's barrenness? I know y'all know this. He prayed. He prayed about it. He prayed and asked God to bless her. Uh and, and so where did we see barrenness before? Y'all know what barrenness means, not able to have a kid. Where did we see that before? Yep, yep. And so what is God doing in this family? <laughs> He's blessing them to be fruitful and to multiply. And remember, that was the commandment that God had given them. So a woman being barren back in that time, she was almost like an outcast. Uh, so um, how does God respond to Isaac's prayer? He gave her twins. He gave her twins. Double, double. I ain't going to call them trouble, but you know. Uh, uh, who is responsible for the twins that Rebecca is carrying? Um, the God. God is responsible for them. He gave them to her. They belong to him. He's responsible for them. Uh, what does the struggle between the brothers begin? In the womb, in the <laughs> right, right. And I said what, but I meant when. So you're right. They they were fighting in the womb, and that started a fight between nations. That was that was a fight between nations. I I, I don't even understand it. But anyway, they was fighting each other. And then every time I think about that, I just laugh because I could see. Um, I could see Isaac, I mean, uh, uh, Jacob with his little bitty fist around Esau's foot when they come out, you know, they, they fighting all the way up into the end. And, and, and like I said, for me, 
in my mind, it always makes me wonder if Jacob was the one that was supposed to come out, but Esau stole his place because he was bigger and probably beat him up in the womb. All right, so how does God... Uh, oh, yeah, we are... I, like I said, some of these be so redundant. All right, describe... Describe the boys as they grew up. Uh, what begins to develop in their family? The dad loves, like, probably favors Esau, and the mom definitely favors Jacob. Which causes sibling rivalry. and cause. You said competition. Right, right. So they're competing against each other instead of coming together. Now, just think about it. You got one to go out and hunt the food, and one that can cook the food. What what better relationship or or you know what I'm saying? Partnership is that. Y'all both got the skills to, to go. And then the parents, they they jacked up, but y'all siblings, so pull it together. Don't worry about who liked who better or who didn't. Y'all come together and be together. You know, but anyway, they, they couldn't. So uh yeah. So what kind of conflict is going on? Uh, going to come of this. Oh, yeah. They're going to be separated. They're going to be separated. And so the Edomites is who uh, uh, Esau's family line grew to be. And then uh, who did Jacob's family grow to be? The 12 tribes of what? Israel. Yep. Yep, that's right. So so they still fighting today, as a matter of fact. Esau's generation, um, some would say that his generation was uh, canceled out uh, because of the Edomites. But I believe that they are still a part of the modern-day Muslims that we see today, and, and they trace a lot of their lineage back to Ishmael, who was... Uh, Isaac's brother, right? But again, I, I, I believe that there's a, a trace of Esau's family. They all were family, you know, but it's a trace of, of his bloodline, I believe, tied to the to the Muslim. Uh, so they're fighting even today, even today. All right, so going to Genesis uh, 25, 29 through 34. So what is Jacob doing when Esau comes in from the field and what has he learned uh, or where has he learned this skill and who taught him how to cook his mama his mama because we cause, <laughs> she she's something else because we know we know what she um what she did when she tricked when she tricked Jacob, she was the one that cooked the food. And it took me up until, what, I was, what they say, I was this many years old. <laughs> I was I was two days ago old when I realized she actually cooked the food. I always thought that it was um, Jacob who cooked for his dad, but, but it was actually Rebecca. She made that last meal. But anyway, back to this point, um... When, when he tricked him out of his um, inheritance, because remember we said we're going to break out the blessing that God promised Abraham into two buckets. And what we said on buckets were going to be? 
the inheritance. Oh, yeah. And then the, um, was it the promise? The blessing, the oh, promise, the right? The spiritual. Because there's, there's first a natural right. blessing, and then there's a spiritual blessing. And so he tricked them out of the natural blessing, uh, which was his inheritance. That says, when daddy go, you get everything and you get a double portion of whatever daddy left, right? That's what, that was the inheritance. The blessing, the spiritual blessing was you're going to be father of many nations and God was going to bless his children and children's children uh, to, to prosper. So that pronouncement of that blessing is what Isaac was, was doing on his deathbed. And, you know, just like a lot of people, they come around their parents when their parents are dying. And, and um, this is something we experienced with my mom and dad. Uh, the, the hospice nurse, you know, would tell you, you know, you got to release them of everything. You know, let them go. Let them be free to go. And then receive their blessing. Receive the blessing from your parents. That, they were practicing that all, back, all the way back then. But anyway, so Esau... His identity changed when he gave away his his birthright, which was his inheritance, and his name changed from Esau to Edom. And you know what Edom meant? Red. It meant red because the stew that um, uh, Jacob. Jacob made him was red, and his and the color of his hair was red. So guess what they started doing? They start calling him Red. Now ain't that bold? Now everybody who knew what happened, they knew that that was something that was traumatic for him. Y'all gonna just make up a, a cap and a knife? <laughs> Y'all just gonna that bold. Like that's bold. Think about it. I done gave, I was hungry. I done came in. And it's your brother. He's supposed to just give you a bite. He's okay. About, uh, you got to give me your inheritance to get it. So. And everybody in their little village was like, oh, there go red. Red, I said, red, red. red. First cup of right. You, oh, you done gave your birthright away for a cup of soup. Oh, red, you stupid. But it, but it was something that <coughs> I never realized um, up until this study that we've done is that if you go back to Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, what did God do with them? As it relates to their name. Oh yeah, he changed it. God to Abraham and then from was it Sarai first? Yep, Sarai Sarai to Sarah. And so he was the father of many nations, right? So he changed his name and she was the mother of many nations. So he changed her name. But what did did they do? They named their son. Mm -hmm. So the two of them named their son. Now, Now let's go back to Genesis. And in Genesis, God named Adam. But Adam named everybody else. He named the woman. He named all of the animals God gave him that authority to do it but first God gave them the name so God named them he gave them their identity and then he allowed Adam to name and the same thing happened with Abraham and Sarah 
to the promise that God gave them, he allowed them to name the promise. He allowed, so that's the type of power and authority that we have today is when God give us, he, you gave me my name. Now you done told me what my promise is. Now I can name it. See, that's some powerful stuff that we have the authority to walk in. But check this out. He gave them a name, Abraham and Sarah. They named their son Isaac. Isaac turned around and named his sons Esau and Jacob. But guess what? Esau, I mean, uh, Esau, because of his flesh, because of his disobedience, because of his lack of faith, man named him. He was named by man. They took his situation, his circumstance, and they gave him a name. But what did God do? He turned around and he named Jacob. He said, Jacob, from now on, after this, and we ain't got there yet, but after this, your name is no longer Jacob. You are Israel. Man, it's something powerful. From the beginning of time up until now. Up until now. You okay, KK? Up until now, God has been allowing us to call those things. And I'm telling you, y'all better employ this in your life. You better employ it in your life. God has given you the power to name the promise. And I don't even know where I left off at. Who that just did something to me. My God. Oh, yeah, the changing of the names. The changing of the names. All right, so. All right, love y'all. Yes, all of it. What she need? A spoon? Here, come here. Your hair looks pretty. How you doing? Good. Good to see you. Moa just had, ooh, I got excited. I got excited there. I'm woke now. All right, so uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, so, so Esau valued his hunger over his birthright. He valued the desires of his flesh, feeding his flesh over his birthright. And guess what? The birthright 
provided so much more than what that little temporary pleasure could have done for him. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Chapter 27. Um, 27. What is Isaac's physical? Oh, so this, this, this skipped. Oh, chapter 27. What is Isaac's physical condition at this point in the story? If you go to 27, what's his physical condition? What's going on with Isaac? And in Genesis 27, hmm? oh, right, 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 right. So he was, he was, he was, uh, his health was failing him physically, so his health was failing him. So he, So you're right. What's Isaac's... Huh? Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Ah. Yes, yes, yes. And so, what was, what was his mission for Esau? To bless him. And so he he was telling, he had pulled Esau to the side. Because nine times out of ten, he... Really, KK? Really? <laughs> you got to say it. He can't hear it. He can't Hi. see it. <laughs> So, so Isaac, Isaac pulled Esau to the side to let him know. He said, "Look, I'm, I'm, I'm up out of here. I'm about to go. I'm about to die. So, before I die, I'm going to give you the blessing." And uh, Rebecca heard him say that, and so when Rebecca heard that. She uh she went to, to Jacob and she said, Look, your daddy about to give uh Esau the blessing. And he told Esau uh to go and you know no, he didn't he didn't tell him to do it, but Esau was doing it. He was going to get him a meal. Wait a minute, he did tell him to get him a meal. So he told him to go get him a meal. He went to go get prepared for the meal and he went out to get it. And Jacob heard him, I mean, uh, Rebecca heard him, and she went and told uh, Jacob what to do. And this is where, <clears throat> like I said, I always thought Jacob cooked the meal, but Rebecca cooked that meal. And the reason it's significant to me that she cooked it is because she knew how to cook for her man. She knew how to make what he wanted. And so she cooked the meal and uh, told 
Jacob to put on, I don't know if he put on lamb skin or goat skin or something so that he could appear to be hairy. And, um, and, and he probably was smelly too because the daddy asked to smell him. <laughs> but his initial response to his mother was, he said, I'm not about to do this. He was like, my, my dad is going, you know, he going, he going to know it's me and he going to, uh, do worse to me than, uh, than, than, than you could do. So now I ain't about to do it, but she convinced him to do it. And then what happened after he stole his birthright? Y'all remember? Esau came up through like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I'm going to kill you. And, and sometimes, you know, your siblings be like, I'm going to kill you. Be like, yeah, right. But he meant it. And he meant it so much. Everybody knew he was telling the truth. So the mama convinced her dad, convinced the daddy to send him to her brother's house to find him a wife. And, and yep, and Jacob was gone. He was like, since you. And so then uh, Jacob went to uh, Laban and uh, uh, Isaac actually bestows another blessing on Jacob. So he he gave him the inheritance. Then he gave him the spiritual blessing that God gave uh, Abraham. And then he turned around and asked God to bless him. So that was three blessings uh, all in one. And did Jacob deserve it? Mm, I don't know. But guess what? He got his just reward kind of quick because he went to Laban, uh, who was his, what we say, that was his uncle. So now he was he went and found him some pretty women that looked like his mother, which that was kind of weird. But you know, you know, they they were in the beginning, they were trying to procreate and make the world a bigger place. But uh do y'all remember how you know he got his just reward when he went to his uncle's house oh, and got yeah, his Played him on the on the wife that he was gonna marry. Right, he played him on the wife, and a lot of times people, when they talk about uh, Leah, the two sisters were Leah and and Rachel, and they always depict Leah as being a, a unattractive woman because they said that her eye was um, that she had some eye problems. Uh, some people say she had a lazy eye. Other people say, you ever see somebody who eyes just look, they just look like a, a monster. And But I really think that the Bible literally just meant that she had eye problems, you know, that she couldn't see well. Because other than, oh, oh. <laughs> I was about to say other than Solomon, don't nobody cap on people in the Bible, but Moses do. Moses, Moses was capping on people and Solomon was capping on people, so... But in the Bible, you don't find oftentimes when they just talking about people. Huh? Oh, David. <laughs> right. They be capping up people in the Bible. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, Leah was a little uh, tender-eyed. That's what they say. Her, she was tender-eyed. Um, so, yeah, he tricked him. And, and he was tricking him, but... The trick was to get more um, uh, labor out of him for his daughters. 
And so, what was the other trick? Yeah, yeah, he tricked them again. And they were some schemers and some scammers. But remember, the Bible tells us that those, or this, at least this study is showing us that the scheming and the scamming is simply because of a lack of faith. When you don't trust what you believe, you're going to try to scheme or scam to make it happen. And it's like, no, you don't have to scheme uh, uh, Laban. He gonna he gonna marry. He probably would have married both of your daughters, but just Rachel first. But oh uh, uh, no, oh uh, no. All right. So let me see. All right. So Leah. All right. We down to the last one, y'all. All right. So Leah. This is this is chapter twenty nine and thirty. All right, so real real quick, Leah on love. So the core truths in, in this one is uh, culture has always placed a value on physical appearance. People with a low view of God and their own purpose always sell themselves cheaply. False view of self leads, false view of self leads to false view of God. Oh, that's good. False view of self leads to false view of God. False view of God leads to false view of self. It's secular, secular, you know, um, or secular, secular, whatever. Y'all know the word. False view of God leads to meaningless praise. Scheming always uh, is always short-sighted and short-sighted, not sighted, but sighted. Um, what you scheme to get, you will have to scheme to keep. Oh, that's a good one. God does hear our afflictions. Um, one of the enemy's lies is that you can have relationship that will solve all of your problems. And, and everyone struggles with comparison. That's good. That's good. Um, all right. So. In Genesis 29, we know that Leah and Rachel are Laban's two daughters. And uh, Jacob falls in love with who? Rachel. Rachel. And why? Uh, Wasn't it because she was beautiful? Because of her beauty. Because of what he could see. Because of her beauty, he fell in love with her. Because when he saw her, he was like, ooh, he couldn't even talk straight. He He was happy to see her. All right, so uh, would Leah have seen Jacob serving for Rachel for? Oh, that's good. And it looked like their grammar is off. But basically what this one is saying, imagine that Leah saw Jacob serving seven years to marry Rachel. What would that look like to her? <laughs> uh. You're going to work that hard for seven years for another female. And I'm here. I'm right here. Um, We are. Huh? Right. 
So, so let me let me part from from the study real quick and just share with you all some of the things that I learned about this story. Um, and and Leah, in her pursuit to gain the love from her husband, she kept producing. So she kept producing. She kept having children. And so, the, the, I, and we can go through the names of her sons, which I think this study might tell us their different names, but she kept, she had a first son, she had a second son, she had a third son, and so forth. And then she had let her uh, handmaiden have, have the children for her. But she was doing all of these things because of the love that she had for her, uh, for her husband. But it wasn't until... And I got to get their names so that I can tell the story more effectively. But it wasn't until she had Judah, which meant praise, that God had given her that son. And then her attitude shifted from how she could please her husband to how she could build a relationship with God. And so uh, uh, Rachel produced two children for um, Jacob. And remember, Jacob, whose name was transferred to to Israel, he had 12 uh, sons. And so those 12 sons uh, represented the the 12 tribes of of Judah. But where this, this story gets to be significant is when they were leaving, there was somebody who stole something from Laban. And so Laban came and he said, I'm, I'm looking through everything. And, and uh, Jacob was so sure that he had not and nobody in his camp had stolen anything that he said, look, I'm going to put a curse on whoever did it. <laughs> not knowing that the one that he seemingly loved the most was the one who stole. And that was Rachel. And why was she still from her own dad but her own dad taught her how to be conniving by the way that he was conniving to Jacob yep yep right so so let me take it and and the thing that happened was soon after, as we continue to read in the word, Rachel died and she giving birth to her last son. And so to me, I see that as the proclamation that Jacob made came to pass. And so that's why I say that story, I'm telling you years ago when I studied it, that I always purposed in my mind, like, never say nothing when you upset. Never, like, because you never know. Like, you never know. And I'm always losing finding stuff. So, you know, <laughs> so I'm very, very careful. But the other thing was, if you think about it, Jacob may have started out loving Rachel more. But when the story was all said and done, I believe that his love grew for Leah. See, he had a superficial love for Rachel. Right. 
because it was based on how she looked. You don't know nothing about her. All you know is what you see. Now, the daddy did trick you, but guess what? He tricked you, but he forced her into it. What make make you think she wanted you any more than you want her? But she's trying to do all of this stuff for you, and at some point, the years pass, and now you love her. And you know what proved it to me? And we ain't got there yet, but we're going to get there. But what proved it to me was uh, when, uh, when Rachel died, he buried Rachel. Years later, when he died, he was buried next to Leah. That tells me you you left the plans with your people on who you wanted to be buried next to, and you were buried next to your wife. Right. So Leah was the one that he really loved. But in, in a lot of messages, people preach as if Leah, even, even in this study, was the unloved. But she started out unloved. Right. But as she progressed in her relationship with Jacob, he loved her the most. Yep, yep, yep. And she gave him all them boys. Oh, I I couldn't do it. You you're not about to sit up in my face and come back to my house every day after you don't work seven years, so you can marry my sister. No, uh uh-uh. uh, nah. That's a problem, buddy. But that was a different time. All right, y'all want to reflect on anything that y'all learned? Anything? <laughs> I would say. share what you learned? Because of the disobedience of his son, 
he was named by man and he was a reflection of what man and how man identified him. But the one who was walking in obedience that was righteous and that was Jacob, God named him. But yeah, that that was deep to me. But I'm telling you, I'm about to start naming some of these promises. I'm naming. Listen, God promised me that if you walk in obedience to my will and you do what I called you to do, I'm going to make provision for the vision that I've given you. I'm naming that building that we about to get. I'm naming that building. We we I'm naming it. I'm claiming it. We're going to get it. And it's going to be nice. And we ain't going to have no rundown. Something don't nobody else want. It's going to take us hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars to get fixed. Uh-uh. We going in ready. Ready to occupy. But, all right. That's all I got. Who want to pray us out? India. Oh, what what'd you say, son? Oh, that's okay. Meaning Rachel's part. Meaning Rachel's part. But but the repercussion, and this is where I said, now this is just me, right? And what I feel like God revealed or exposed to me, she died. She died. She was given birth and died. That was that to me was the re- repercussion. Oh, I thought you were talking about Rachel. No, they never, they never touched on how Rebecca told Jacob, if the, he said, if I, what if I curse, what if I curse? And she said, if you're cursed, it can fall back on me. But they never elaborated on what happened after that. He wasn't cursed. He got away with it. You saw my when.
Oh, 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 you're talking about when, when he lied and said she was his sister. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, I see where you're going. I see where you're going because because you're right. Because yeah, because Jacob ran, you done ran right into the master manipulator, Laban, and he done he done tricked you into marrying both his wives and giving him all of that. So that could be a direct uh repercussion of you stealing that birthright and all them blessings that you know you ain't deserve. But then how did Rachel uh, I mean, Rebecca, how did Rebecca pay for her part in it? And, and that part, mm-hmm. All right, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right, right. So, so, so you're, you're right. And I think we should dig deeper into that. And maybe God is taking you on the path to go deeper into that. But the, the, the principle of reaping and sowing leads me to she, she had to reap something. She had to reap, even if it was just, you know, like you said, not having your son, having that. I mean, can you imagine what kind of trauma and dysfunction and and drama was in the in the family? And And even though, right, and you had to lose him, and he gone. But at the same time, even though the Bible doesn't highlight it, you know, it doesn't mean that she didn't suffer. You know. Um, I I don't I don't know that the Bible ever reunites reunites Jacob to Rebecca, but again, the Bible is not the end all source of that type of information, right? Because there can be some historical information associated with it, but I don't remember ever reading anything that they that they reunited, but. I could just make some assumptions around how, you know, back then we know that they kept in contact with family members, even though they, you know, separated or, or, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of like we talk now, like, you know, I communicate with delight often, but we don't live in the same city or state or anything like that, you know, but we're family, you know. And so that's sad. I had to go all the way down to delight, but you know, you get the message. <laughs> yeah.
Right. And if and if I take if I just take my human experience as a parent, no parent wants to see their children estranged from one another. Even if you contribute to that estrangement. You know what I'm saying? Like even if Rebecca couldn't help herself, oh, I just love me some Jacob. And Isaac couldn't help himself, oh, I just love me some Esau. You know, even if they contributed to that, to see them going through, you know, all of that mess. And it, and and I still, for the life of me, don't understand her setting stuff up um, for one kid to gain over another. Because I'm the type, I'm like, look, come here, come, 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 come here. Y'all daddy got a birthright over there. And, and guess what? He got some other stuff, too. Uh, and guess what? And 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 come on, y'all. Let's let's just go get it. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. That ain't me. That ain't me. <laughs> we all in this thing together. Sorry, no, I'm just playing. Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> but yeah, I don't understand, Miss Rebecca. But And then on top of all of that, look, not only, not only did you know your kids, okay, so did you really think you was giving it to Esau? But then after he did all of that, you gonna give him another blessing? You gonna bless him on top of that? Yeah. But yeah, but I, I don't know. I just, I started questioning that myself about whether or not, did you really not know? And then you gonna, but then the way he reacted to it, that was the only thing that set me back a little bit to to reconsider. Cause he he seemed like he was pretty mad when he came in there with that food. Like your brother already got it. Oh, but but this was the other thing too that take me back, D, to did he really know? Was when he told uh, Jacob basically he didn't. He didn't want him messing with no Canaanites. And what did Esau do out of rebellion? He went and got him a Canaanite woman. So so it's just some little subtle, subtle things that make you, you know, it's like watching a reality TV show. It's like you never know. These dysfunctional people, they just crazy. But yeah, but I think it's worth digging into. But I, I love, like I said, I just love the journey that God is taking us on to learn all right y'all well we're gonna wrap it up and next we're gonna start in the book of genesis i think i think we're going through 31 and on 31 through 40 i think but we'll see We'll see. India, you want to pray us out? <laughs> okay.
Oh yeah. Amen. 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 Beautiful.